Hey, it's Melissa, and welcome to I Want My 40s Back. I don't know if I explain why I want my 40s back well enough, but I just want to say that now that I'm in my 50s, if I knew now what I knew then, I don't know. I think I would have done things differently. But nonetheless, tonight I went out with a girlfriend. Shout out to Marie. Like, I've known her since our kids were, my oldest is the same age as her youngest. We went out to dinner tonight. Best time ever. Went to our favorite place, Lucia. Shout out Lucia at Winchester. Please go there if you have the opportunity. But it's what fills me up. You know, it's like a girl's night out. We sat around and talked about like where we are, our kids, you know, you do all the, where are they? What are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then we just had a conversation about how the hell did we end up here? She's divorced. I'm divorced. Obviously, I've talked about Mark. Rocky is shaking himself. Um, Mark died in June. I've had a lot. It's a lot. But at the end of the day, it's the girls that uh, lift you up. And so we had a conversation about the Golden Girls House. So this is my, like, theory thought about the Golden Girls House. So I watched the Golden Girls when it's on, it goes off the air in October because Hallmark, my favorite channel, obviously, um, puts it aside so they can start their Christmas shows in October. And then it comes back in January and I look forward to it. And I put it on every night before I go to bed. Judge me, judge me not. It's like having white noise or Ativan without any Ativan. It's just like, I just love listening to them. But I think that as we get older, Is the Golden Girls house really the solution to getting older? I think it is. And so last night I went out with my friends, Dan and Mark. They're married. Dan works in um, real estate. And he was telling me that there is a development that is being planned in Colorado. And it has one main room, one main kitchen and living space. But there's room for four or five people bedrooms, your own bathroom, a small like outdoor green space from your individual room. Not big, but enough. Like he said, if you want to have a cup of coffee, you can go out there. And it provides space for four or five people to live. And in my mind, I'm thinking women because let's be honest, we live longer than men. So you live together, you have a common area and you have your own personal space. And to me, come on, Rocky, come, come up. To me, that is the ideal because right now I live by myself. I've never lived alone. And it's a weird thing. Like you go to work, I work from home, work all day, 10 hours, whatever. And then it's time for dinner. And I'm a mom. So I like to make a big dinner I always have. And maybe that is a come. Maybe that is a stereotype, but I liked cooking dinner. So now I don't really do that. Uh, Two nights a week I try. So I'll make dinner. And then when it's ready, I am not going to sit at my table. I just have not been able to sit at that table um, since Mark died. There's something about like sitting alone eating Now, some people do it like they don't care, whatever, but I care. I just can't do it. So I sit and I usually watch TV. But imagine if you were surrounded um, by women. 
in the same house. You can cook dinner together. You can not cook dinner together. You can eat together. But at the end of the night, oh, I'm going to watch the Golden Girls and my friend Marie's going to watch, I don't know, CSI, Miami, whatever. And we depart to our individual rooms and our individual space with, of course, our own bathrooms. Um, and then the next day, there's always someone there. I think there's something to that. I think that we need to look more at less institutionalizing the people that are older or even like these 55 and above communities. I don't know a lot about them. Come on. Come. Come. Um, but there's something there. Like always having someone there. Always having someone home to help. To be there when you want to talk at the end of the day. To eat with. And that doesn't have to be a man. You know? It doesn't have to be someone that you're romantically involved in or with, but someone's always there. I don't know. I kind of like that idea. That's not to say, as I said to Marie tonight, when we were eating. I am not ready to date anyone. Not because I feel burned from my divorce, not because, well, it's really because I'm sad about Mark, but I'm not ready. I'm just not ready. I don't feel it. But when I do feel it, I am going aggressively after dating. And here's why. There are a ton of guys, and I'm going to talk about this on future podcasts, but I have several dating sites set up. And this is when I was with my old um, partner, Rose, who um, had to back out at the last minute due, due to her own like divorce situation. But we had set up dating profile. So she's got some, I've got some, I've got some under a guy's name, some under a girl's name, but it's not under our names. It's just to see what people are posting. And when I look at them and we're going to have like profile Fridays, I cannot wait to do it because some of these dating sites and the things that people put on are hilarious. But at the end of the day, there are thousands of people out there looking for someone And some guys are looking just for sex and and they'll say it like you could say like, I'm looking for marriage. I'm looking for a long-term relationship. I'm looking for a pen pal. Who's looking for a pen pal in the United States? Like you're not looking for a pen pal. Some guys will write, I want sex. I was actually shocked though at a profile I saw a couple weeks ago where the guy said, I just want a companion. I can have sex. And I'm like, why? It must be physical, but I'm sure he got plenty of responses, but nonetheless, when I am ready, I will be an aggressive dater because I want to see, you know, what's out there. I want to have fun. You know, that I think that would be a fun thing versus like sitting at home alone on the weekends or whatever, but people just want to be with someone, companionship, dinners, fun, I think the thing is, is that like dating to me is a gigantic funnel. So if you think about it, the funnel is gigantic. There's like 200, 300 people within a 30 mile radius of you, but you need to go through each and every profile. If you're driven and figure out like, what are the one or two in that funnel that I would want to communicate with and vice versa? I mean, I put up a profile under a fake name about three months ago when we started the podcast. No picture, but I did say I'm financially secure. 
I, you should own your own house. I don't want you to be, you know, I don't, I don't need your finances because I don't pay for these sites. I have a fake name. I have no picture. I have, I saw today, I went on tonight. There are 79 messages that I have received from men. They don't even know me, but <laughs> announcing my financial status was enough. I don't know. Maybe when they see my pictures, when I really do it, they'll be like, no, but I'll, I'll tell you a story. So this summer, my sister-in-law is, has been single for six years. She's not good at online dating and Mark was dead. So I'm like, I need something to do. So I said to her, I'm going to set up these profiles. I'm going to find these guys. I'm going to vet them for you. And then I will tell them, you know, as I'm representing myself as her, I will tell them that I'm kind of a matchmaker. So this went on, I don't know, maybe a month. And there were two guys I had in the hook. One was named Todd. Shout out Todd. And then the other one was named, I'm just going to call him Mr. A. And so Mr. A would come through me. And this was through eHarmony, actually. Um, and I had paid for it. And my goal was, her birthday was in October, so it was around September, was to give her the profile and pay for it and say, hey, I paid for this thing because apparently eHarmony is supposed to be the best if you're in like middle-aged. And here's your profile. I vetted these people. Now it's yours. And so one night I was talking to this guy. And the one thing that I thought was interesting about him is that he always went to bed at like 8 o'clock. I'm like, mm, ugh, 8.30? Mm. And I knew that because he'd be like, oh, I have to go to bed. I have to go to bed. And so he said to me one night, hey, and I can't give you my fake name because I don't want you to find me. But he said, hey, how come no picture? And I said, well, and I told him, I'm a matchmaker for my sister-in-law. And he said, well, how do I know you're not a spam bot? I think this is fake. You're a catfisher, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my picture up for 30 minutes. And I put a picture of me and Mark on a vacation that we had a couple of years ago, a picture that I loved. And I said, you'll see that I'm real. And then I'm going to take it down. And then let's go to the next step. This is not a lie or an exaggeration. I had that picture up for 30 minutes. I took it down. I'm at work the next day. My girlfriend texts me and she said, OMG, are you on eHarmony? Abort, abort. That was her point. That was her message. I'm like, I can't talk to you. I'm in the middle of work. I'll have to look at it afterwards. And so she knew Mr. A. And she said, he snapped a picture of your screenshot and had sent it around to people at work to say, hey, I'm talking to this girl. And one of the people at work knows a friend of a friend of a friend, and it got to my friend who sent it to me. And this is just a message to all of you single guys out there, which I'm sure you're not listening, but if you're single girls that know single guys, don't snap my picture. Don't snap pictures of people and go around like if you're serious and you want a long lasting relationship, make that connection with the person. Then if we ever talk on the phone or text and you say, my name is, you know, John Smith, I say, I am who I am and we agree on locations. Yeah. Then now it's fun to find um, a commonality because from a women's perspective, I don't ever want to date someone, I don't think, um, even though I did with Mark, but that's a different story, that someone doesn't know them 
or I can't find them on LinkedIn or they don't have an Instagram. I, I, I want to know what their backstory is. But this guy sent my picture around. And so I had to take a break from my work day to go to eHarmony, to take the profile down, shut it off. Then I have to text my sister-in-law who was very understanding and said, this is what I did. This is what's happening, whatever. And I was kind of psyched because she said to me, that doesn't deter me, Melissa. Uh, you know, I don't care. Like you have the best, my best interest at heart. But the bottom line is, is that are guys that insecure in their 50s? I mean, this guy might have been 60. Taking a picture of us and sending it around as if it was a trophy. No, don't do that. And so what I did that day is I shut that profile down and the other one that I had, poor Todd from Framingham, he seemed, sorry, I'm drinking water. He seemed like a really nice guy. I think he would have been a really good match for my sister-in-law. He never got a response to me. He took everything down because I was bullshit. Like, am I naive to think that people aren't just there to find someone? Now, listen. Guys put on there, they will write in their profiles, I want a physical relationship. And we can all figure out what that means, right? And so we can figure out too when they write separated and I want a physical relationship, hit the X, move it on. And the other funny thing that I've noticed, and again, we'll save this for the dating episode, is that as I'm on these sites, and I my, my MO is pretty the same, I say the, say the same, the same, God, say the same thing on each one. And so these are the sites that I have looked at. Silver Singles, which started 50, ourtime.com, which is hilarious, and match.com. I'm going to say 5 out of 10 guys are on all three of those. Cuz I get matched with the same exact ones. My fake profile gets matched with the same guys all the time. And I'm thinking it's been 6 months that I've been doing this, looking at them and you're still on the sites. So I don't know. I don't want to lose hope. I don't want to give up hope. I want to think that, you know, there's someone in the funnel. Throw 200 up. I'll spend the time and pick the one that I want to meet. But um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. But I want to get back to the point at hand. It's the Golden Girls house. I think that at my age, is it that bad to think that I do want to live in a group home. <laughs> the group home, it sounds awesome. In a house with a bunch of women. Well, listen, this is the thing that would happen. The house would always be clean. We would have meal plans. We would know where each other is going. We would support each other. And then, if you want to go out on dates, I mean, look at how many dates Blanche and Dorothy went out with. I mean, they used to make for, fun of poor P. Arthur. In fact, I read an article that one of the reasons why the Golden Girls ended is because B. Arthur was sick of being portrayed manly, as ugly, as unattractive when she was on dates all the time, um, which is kind of funny, but I'm sorry that she quit. I wish we had like 10 years of those episodes. They're so good. But maybe that is a solution for us. Maybe the solution as we get older, and for those of that you are married, if your spouses die, because it's a fact that women live longer than men. Should we just move into the Golden Girls house? I don't know. It seems pretty good to me. I mean, I go and I keep thinking to myself, like, I've never lived alone. 
So I was married, got divorced, but the kids were always there. Then the kids went to college. My oldest lives in New York City. My youngest is in Connecticut at school. And granted, I know I'm fueled by grief. So the like, I miss Mark. I miss having him here. I miss the recap. The recap is the worst when you have something that you both knew and who are you going to tell? No one's going to care but him. He knew the whole story. And my therapist told me that when a spouse dies or your partner dies or whatever, it has to do with like World War II when they were trying to, Morse code wasn't working or speaking in different languages didn't work and they got Navajos in. Navajo Indians, because that's a language that's specific to them. It's no derivation of any other culture. It's not part Italian or part anything. And they had Navajos talking to each other to share spies, attack plans, and all of that because it was unique to them. And so no one else could crack that code. And he said, when a spouse dies, and I think this applies to people that separate or get divorced, like you have a common language. You don't have to say a lot for the other person to know what you're saying. Or maybe it's a look, or if you say like, you know, David, and he knows exactly what you mean. Um, That dies with the person that dies. That goes with the person that you divorce. Like you don't have that connection anymore. And it's funny, like I spent this fall, my ex came down to look at some stuff that I wanted to have him uh, fix. He's a carpenter. And... We can go back and talk about, we haven't been together for eight years, nine, ten years, but we can go right back to where we were when we were together and talk about people or situations that were known to us at that time. It's just our language. It doesn't matter that we're not together anymore. It's just like the language you establish. So, you know, it's it's different when you lose the person that you have the Navajo language with. You're not going to get that. And so I find at the end of the day, and I'm getting better. It's been seven months, almost eight months. I'm getting better where before I'd be like frenic, couldn't watch TV, couldn't read a book, would make up like weird activities to do at night because that's the time that we would be sitting on the couch. And each day that goes by, I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit better. I'm a little bit better. I keep saying to myself, Steve's going to graduate in May. He's going to be home with me, hopefully living for a couple of years. I'll be okay. Um, but there's sto- still not that place to put the things that I want to say. The things that happened at work or happened in my life that he would have cared about. Um, no one cares like the person that you are matched with. And I think it makes it even harder as you are dating in middle age. Because where you went to high school, what sports you played, who were your friends. It just doesn't matter. Like... Not that it doesn't matter. You just don't care. When I was 47, I met Mark. He was 54. And we used to joke. He was from the Berkshires. And he used to always talk about, like, the football team. And they were funny stories. Ha ha. But I don't care because our lives are so advanced. We have kids. We have lives. We have mortgages. We have jobs. The stuff that came before that is kind of irrelevant. But it's who we are. Which, if you think about it, when you're married, I married someone I went to high school with that we didn't date in high school. Um, I'd say 50% of my friends are got married in their 20s, 50% got married in their 30s. But I feel like my friends that got married in their 30s, which at that time, this was the 90s, if you got married in your 30s, you were like, oh, God, I can't believe it. Like, they're not married. They have the better marriages. I just feel like there's five or six years difference that 
they had enough time to kind of be themselves. They lived at home. Maybe they moved out, had jobs, got married later in life. They knew who they were and they knew who, what they wanted. And so when they got married, they were focused on the marriage versus those of us that got engaged and married in our early 20s. My opinion, I think we were just caught up in the fury of everyone's getting married and I get to do it too. So I'm going to interview my girlfriend, Lisa. She'll be on in a few weeks and no marriage is perfect, but I think that her and her husband model awesome relationship goals. And so she'll be on, we'll be talking about it. It's a positive, like we want to talk about, yeah, this is what happened to me. It was bad. This is how I dealt with it. That's what I want to help you guys with. But I also think it's important to hear from people that did it right. I mean, there's something that the two of them do uh, that works. And so why not hear from people that are succeeding? And maybe that will help those of us that have not succeeded or are alone by choice. Pick a mate. I don't think this is my, and this is my own opinion. If you want a mate, a partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, depending on what your preference is, at this age, and I'm going to say over 45, you got to go find it. If you think, and I'm in a lot of like online Facebook groups about widows and widowers and death of cancer patients and the whole nine yards. I'm in like a, I'm actually in a uh, support group at Dana-Farber, which is all females. Ironically, they don't try that, but all of us, you have to, a group of eight and it was eight of us that had our spouses die in the same six months. So it's all female. And there, it's funny because I'm the youngest one of that group, which is ironic. I'm not the youngest of anything, but the people that are, that are in that group are much more further advanced uh, in their relationships, 30 years, 35 years, they're dealing with probate. What do I do with the house? But they're in their late 60s, early 70s, and they're looking at their lives saying like, what's next for me? Because my husband was such a big part of everything kids, house, retirement, and now what? (laughs) And I think the solution is the Golden Girls house. I can't say that because I have to be like sensitive or whatever, and I'm a lot younger, so I don't want to be like, do this, when they're like, you don't have no idea what we're going through. It's totally different, but I think that we don't have to be alone. I think being alone and living on your own has plenty of benefits. I am a full supporter of separate bedrooms for couples. And here's why. You sleep hot, I sleep cold. And let's be honest, like the marital bed, the intent of that was reproduction. Making sure that you, you know, reproduced and continued the family. But when you're older, and I think about when Mark, especially in his last year, he had was so sick and had so much fluid ascites or CDs, whatever they call it, um, the fluid that builds up in your organs, which is kind of the beginning of death. But he was constantly up in the night going to the bathroom to get rid of the fluid four or five times. I did not sleep through the night for at least a year. And it never bothered me because I'm like, this dude is sick. He fights every day for his life. Chemo, you know, clinical trials, shots, I mean, constant. And I never complained about it. I would never go to another room, but I used to say to him, why don't you go sleep in our spare room? Why don't you have some peace since you're up for hours a night? And it's like, no, I want to stay here. 
And it was cute. I'm not going to lie. Every single night we fell asleep holding hands. That was one of the things that he loved. And it's one of the things that I miss so much because I would tap on his hand, tap, 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 tap. I don't know why he told me I did. And then I would fall asleep. And so I don't have that now. I wouldn't give that up for anything. I wouldn't say, get in another room. I don't want to sleep with you. Um, but I think it it's okay at this point in our life to say, we can watch TV together. We can be together. We can, you know, read or whatever you want to do or sneak it back in in the morning. But we need our sleep. We want our own bathrooms. I just was, I was visiting um, people in Florida over the holiday break and they were they're in the business of building houses. And so they had built the house that they're in now. And I went in to see the master bathroom. And when I walked in, you know, nice tub that faced the windows and the water. That was nice. And there was two doors, one on the left and one on the right. And I'm like, what's that? And they opened the doors. It was his and her toilets. And they weren't just toilets in a room. They had, they had tables in there for magazines. They were completely separate from each other. But I'm like, that is a brilliant idea. I think we get stuck in the idea that there are norms. We must share a bedroom. We share the bathroom. Everything is shared. But I just don't think that needs to be that way. I don't. I think you can be happy having separate bedrooms or separate bathrooms. And maybe that would elongate the relationship. I don't know. But anyways, I think my whole point of coming on here is that I'm totally lift up, lifted up tonight by being out with a girlfriend. We talked, we got divorced at the same time. We used to live side by side. Um, when our kids were little, we have the same divorce attorney. I referred her, um, and we both had non-dramatic divorces. So it was like, how do we get through this? Let's get it done. But we started talking about tonight, like what's the next step for us? And I said to her, I'm not ready yet, but when I am ready, I will be an aggressive dater. And she's like, I think I'm ready too. And I'm like, let's pick Tuesdays. And we'll go at the funnel together because at the end of the day, it's better than being alone. We can learn from each other. And I said to her, in the unlikely event that we both hit the dating sites and find someone we want to meet, let's double date. What's the mystery? Why do we need to be like one-on-one and hiding less? Let's see how you do in a group. It's all about taking charge of your own life. And that's both in your day-to-day now, for those that you are married and happily married, take charge of your decisions, take charge of your life. Don't be in the like second position where your husband's telling you what you're going to do and everything you should do. It's when you're divorced and that's emotional. I've talked on, enough about it on this podcast, but take charge of your life. You can lament in it. You can lie around for 10 years talking about what an asshole your ex was. And believe me, when you do, people are judging you. They're saying she can't get over it. She's obsessed with it. And not that you should care what people think, but I don't know. Get over it. Move up, move past it. If you're divorced, you're divorced. What's next? You can be alone. You can be with someone. But I think the third step is, what do you want in your life? And this may work for other people. And if it does, I'm so excited. and I'm glad to hear it. You're not going to meet someone on the street. You're not going to bump into someone at the supermarket. You are not going to go to church. That's a big one in my support groups. Just go to church and you'll meet someone. I think it's hard. I think you have to go after it. Decide what you want. Decide 
that you're going to do it. And let's take the stigma, and this is going to be a whole focus of a podcast, so I don't want to talk a lot about it, but let's take the stigma out of online dating. I feel like when people say, oh, we met online and you get that like Sarah Jessica Parker from Sex and the City, like, well, everyone's doing it now. That's what people say. Well, people are doing it. Well, you know what? I graduated from high school 35 years ago. I'm not going to be able to meet, you know, meet Biff Bufkins at lunch and hope he asks me out. I'm not going to roam Market Basket looking for a man. Because when I'm at Market Basket, I'm usually in sweatpants, a jacket that's way too big, and Uggs. It's not a pretty picture. That's what I'm doing. That's who I am. But when I am ready, I'm going to make a list. I'm going to draw a circle. And I don't want to date anybody that is like, even 25 miles away, it's not worth it because I'm not going to go to their house. We want to be close. It's funny when I met Mark, so ironic. But if you believe that things are meant to be, they're meant to be. He lived four miles away from me. And then when I moved to my new place, when I downsized, when I got divorced, he lived two miles away from me, almost a straight line. And I think it was totally meant to be, you know? So I think it's like location is the thing. But Shout out to the Golden Girls House. I think it's something that we should think about. There's no land in Massachusetts to build such a thing, but hope springs eternal. So shout out to all the women out there that went out with women tonight, that lifted them up. You had a great conversation. You only focused on each other. You weren't looking around trying to pick somebody up or seeing what the prospects were. Hey, it was a great night, and I just wanted to share it with you guys. Talk soon. Bye.